Hello, I'm David Naert, back with another edition of the Eurovision Sport Radio Podcast. In this episode, I want to focus on the FIFA Women's World Cup that has just concluded in France. Coverage on the television has been first class with record-breaking audiences. And I've been listening with pride to various European broadcasters who have delivered incredible radio coverage from the tournament. The USA are through to their fifth World Cup final. Lavelle tegen Van der Gracht, 1 tegen 1. Daar komt het schot van Lavelle 2-0. Rose Lavelle. Pijnlijk, pijnlijk, pijnlijk. Rose Lavelle. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by three journalists who are each helping to drive a change in attitude towards the coverage of women's sports. Joining me from Dublin is Elaine Buckley, who has just launched The W, a podcast for women's sport from Irish broadcaster RTE. Hi, David. I'm also joined by Caroline Zobernich, a sports journalist from ORF in Austria. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for having me on. Carolina yeah. was championed as part of the EBU's Young Reporter Scheme, working for two seasons of our biathlon coverage. And this year, she won the overall prize for journalism from Sports Media Austria, the first woman to do so since the awards launched in 2004. And Susanna Andrian from Swedish Radio also joins us on the line. She's in France, where she's been covering Sweden's progression through to the semi-final stage of the World Cup. Susanna, what's it been like out there? It's been amazing. It's been hot. It's been a very hot summer here in France. Uh, that has definitely affected the work some, somewhat. But it's been it's been very nice. It's been awesome seeing all the stadiums with a lot of crowd, a lot of Swedes coming down as well to watch the games, and of course uh, following this team, uh, which surprised us a bit by going so far in the tournament. Can you tell us a little bit more about how Swedish radio covered the tournament? Um, we've done it almost the same as we did with the with the World Cup on the men's side in in Russia last summer. Uh, a lot of games being uh, commentated uh, off tube in Sweden in in our studios over there. But after the, I think last 16, we did all of the games uh, on site almost. I actually started off uh, the first week um, doing some commentating play by play off tube in studios in Sweden. Then I headed down here to meet up with my pals, uh, two people, one analyst and one commentator doing the play-by-play and two reporters following the Swedish team almost exclusively. Uh, So a bit fewer than maybe uh, when we cover the men's tournament, but uh, that's that's our group. When you do live radio, you don't need that many people. You can you can do a lot with five, six, seven people. That's true. And how have the radio audiences responded to your coverage of this year's uh, Women's World Cup? Very well. Uh, definitely since the Swedish team went so far in the tournament, further than we would have thought uh, beforehand. Uh, I know that we've had some great ratings, uh, more people listening than usually. We do have a great audience. Uh, we our, our daily show is the biggest show on Swedish radio overall, so we definitely have a good start. Uh, but also we've had a bigger audience than usually, uh, than normally. So, so a great response, I'd say. 
Elaine, before we talk about The W, your podcast about women's sports, how has RTE been covering the World Cup in Ireland? Yes, so the Women's World Cup, the 2019 edition, um, the first time it's been shown on Irish TV screens in its entirety. It's been really exciting to see it on screens. Um, I think the quality has been absolutely excellent. But as well as the quantity of coverage that's been there, it's it's also been the nature of the analysis, um, I thought I thought has been really strong and just equally on a par with anything we would do in covering the men's game. So for me, that has been really, really important. And what about radio? I guess it's more difficult uh, to, to bring the tournament alive on radio if your own team is not taking part. That's what we feel here in, in Belgium anyway. How is it in Ireland? It's uh, it's difficult that Ireland are not involved. We were actually quite close um, to getting into the tournament. We had some really strong results in qualifying. We had Netherlands and Norway in our group, two eventual quarter-finalists. So it was, um, it's very sad that we're not there. Ireland have never qualified for a major tournament in women's football. I think it's only a matter of time before they do. But having a tournament like this on air raises all sorts of other questions about our own international setup and what we do need to do to get to that next level. With such a spotlight being on women's football globally at the moment, it's a really good time to have those conversations on radio, online, on every platform. Carolina, have you been keeping across the Women's World Cup in Austria? Uh, I got into um, yeah, women's football, especially after the Euro, because Austria ranked really, really well. And I think Austria kind of caught the football bug for women's football. <laughs> so I think that's something we've seen in Austria as well. We're really into um, the Women's World Cup at the moment. And also our TV station has adopted a very open program. Uh, we have a studio and an expert and like commentaries on a lot of the the team's matches even though Austria didn't even qualify and is not in the ranking so I think there's a a very good rise not only in the interest but also in the quality of reporting and the games we're seeing. What has been the feedback from the Austrian audience? Um, what are the impressions? Uh, very mixed. I think uh, we had like a real positive tidal wave two years ago with the Women's Euro um, because the Austrian national team of women suddenly became like almost sports stars in Austria overnight. Nobody knew them before and then everybody got on board and was like, yeah, we're really rocking this thing. Um, I think that's a little bit missing with the World Cup, but the audience has grown over the last two years. We have been doing also a little bit of the, the league games, so the national league games, and people have been keeping in touch and they are enjoying the World Cup. We see that in our, in our stats and numbers. Would you have thought this would have been possible five years ago? Um, yeah, I think I would have had to say no way, even though I wouldn't have wanted to. Um, I personally believe that if you put women's sports front and center, you actually get people interested because you show them a different type of sport, especially to sports. if you show sports women to women, you suddenly include them into the whole play. They're not only spectators anymore, they're now the active ones, and that makes all the difference. So I think it's important that it has changed now, but I actually believe that five years ago it would have been hard to really get like a mainstream coverage of Women's World Cup. And when we talk about ourselves as public broadcasters, is there, mm -hmm. are we ready to fully embrace women's sports or do you notice there are still things that we could improve in our own organization? 
I think there is a lot of change in the younger generations. I personally am of a generation like the 30-year-olds and surrounding uh, in our company. You don't really have a feeling of, okay, women in sports journalism, that's something foreign and um, sports being competed by women, that's something a little rare. So I think that's the generation that kind of grew up with the whole idea of gender equality and doesn't have to overcome this little hurdle that is traditionally there but it still is there you still have to convince some um, would it be bosses would it be people higher up in the hierarchy to actually take it seriously and to give it the platform it deserves so I think if you can reach the more administrative level more up top kind of break the glass ceiling there um, I think there could still be even more change Susanna are things progressing the same way at Swedish radio Oh, well, I, there's a constant um, journey towards more equal coverage, I'd say, um, as a part of our public service well, responsibility. Uh, but then there's also, naturally, unfortunately, maybe, um, bigger interest in, in the men's sport uh, than, than there is in the women's game. If we talk about football, for example, we have a few more reporters covering the, the men's tournaments still. And maybe we also have a few more hours, a few more games that we cover on live radio as well. But uh, there's definitely happened a lot of things since my first World Cup on the women's side, 2011. We were, I think, three reporters covering that uh, championship. And we uh, did commentating play-by-play -play from Sports Bar in Germany, as it was then uh, on live radio doing very much uh, with very very small tools and very small group of reporters uh, and now we're uh, twice the size covering this tournament and do you think that what you've done for this tournament in france and obviously uh, the increased coverage you've given because of sweden's good results that it might create more interest in for instance the domestic swedish league the, for, for women players that that people might actually think oh I will go to the stadium and watch a game. I'm not so sure, actually. We've, we've had this debate, uh, so to speak, a few times in, in Sweden. Uh, when it comes to the, the domestic league, uh, there was hopes already in 2003 when the Swedish team took, made it to the final, unfortunately lost against Germany, of course. Uh, but um, nothing really happened. There's not the same tradition uh, there's not the same interest in the clubs as it, as you have on the men's side with uh, teams that are 150 years old almost. And uh, there's always the comparison with how it is watching a, a football game on the men's side. There should be a lot of people singing, a lot of people drinking, a lot of people maybe fighting. And is that a good thing? Uh, is that something to strive for on the, the women's side? Or should it, you maybe have an, a different approach should you try and um, attract families, uh, children, um, small girls wanting to play football for themselves. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to discuss there and I don't think um, that it automatically means that a lot of people will come to watch the games, unfortunately. 
It would be great if women's football could step out of the shadow of the men's football at some point. If we stopped always comparing it, always comparing speeds, always comparing tactics and start like maybe adopting a little bit more of a view as we have in alpine skiing. Austria and alpine skiing has seen women's and men's sports very traditionally and there's never been a question if women could do this and there's not that much comparison. It's just two different genders competing in the same sports in their own rights and I think If soccer manages to get there and if we as the media help it along, because it's also our framing of the stories, if we keep repeating the whole, well, they're a little slower and they're not as fast and da da da, then we kind of keep repeating the story. If we manage to overcome that and give them their own platform, then I think there could be even more interest there. Elaine, could you tell me what's happening in RTE in terms of the evolution of women's sports coverage? I think it has grown so much in in recent years and it's largely down to Irish sportswomen really just achieving above and beyond expectation and bringing that attention upon themselves. If teams or individuals are are, are going beyond expectation, it, it attracts, whether they're men or women, it attracts naturally a peak in interest from media. So in Ireland um, last November, a nationwide campaign called 20 by 20 launched, which has the aim of increasing participation, attendance and media coverage around women's sports. And this is a by, by 20% by the year 2020. So we've made that commitment to, to increase our output around women's sport and something like showing the Women's World Cup, a major tournament which we're not actually competing in, but which is such a, of global importance. The fact that we've made that commitment to show that tournament to all, like I just think back to myself when I was a football mad 10-year-old and could only see men on, te on playing on television. What difference that will make to, to the next generation is huge. And is that also why you recently launched The W, your podcast focused exclusively on, on women's sports? Exactly. It's, it's another new platform for us to kind of delve into stories around sportswomen, whether it's analysis of events ongoing or standalone feature stories. The five presenters involved all have a very wide range of interests and areas of expertise, and we're hoping to bring some more long-form long content to the table. Um, you know, standalone interviews with, with champions of women's sport on and off the pitch, as well as providing an additional platform for our current team of analysts across sports like Gaelic football, camogie, soccer, rugby, to give an extra platform for people who want more in-depth analysis on sports ongoing. So it's kind of going to be a mix of both, um, with a rotating cast of, of presenters. Now, Carolina, I know you're not so convinced mm -hmm. about having a women's sport podcast. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's always kind of a double-sided thing. Um, it's the same thing with the women's quota. I think we need it still. I think there still is a need for um, shedding like extra light on women's sports and putting the spotlight on that. But on the other hand, you're at risk of producing a niche program to also put it like in the category if you go into a bookstore you have like adventure books and crime books and whatever and then you have books and magazines for women um, which kind of gives it the allure of maybe that's something that's only interesting to women which I believe sports shouldn't be I think sports played by women can be very interesting to men and if we kind of exclude them out of the conversation it's tricky on the other hand it gives maybe female listeners a podium and like a, a range of interaction that they wouldn't normally have so it's interesting to see where it goes 
I think it's a very good initiative, but I think you have to be very cautious not to exclude anybody because it's only equal if you let both sides play. Elaine, I guess it's about using the podcast to give space to discuss important topics away from on-air time constraints. Our first episode, which we launched last week, was um, uh, themed around the World Cup. It, be, it was recorded on, on one of the tournament rest days, kind of looking ahead to the knockout stages once now that the top eight teams had emerged. So we had two of our studio analysts joining us on the podcast where they had, you know, a half an hour more time than they would have had on air the previous night to talk about the big talking points from this tournament. So the reaction to that for people who, who are tuned into this World Cup and are enjoying the analysis, it's giving them something more and it's giving more time to delve into the topics that are most important. And what still needs to change in women's sports? Is it the media or is it the culture around the sport in general? My main area of focus that I think really needs to change if we're talking about widespread cultural change is attendances on the ground at sporting events. Um, the perfect example is the is England's World Cup semi-final the other night, which attracted 11.7 million viewers on the BBC. 50% of the available audience were watching that game. Now, the domestic league in England resumes in late August, September, where a lot of those players can be seen playing for their clubs for Manchester City, Arsenal, Manchester United, Tottenham Hotspur. People need to start going to those games and the, the support needs to filter back from interest in major tournaments into grassroots. And I think if there's people at matches, that's going to attract more attention from media and for sponsors. And I think that people just really need to realise that connection, that going and supporting a match, buying a ticket, being there, giving your presence in support. It's just so, so important. And it's something that I'm very passionate about driving here in Ireland as well, across the board, and um, particularly in, in relation to, to Gaelic games, to our indigenous sports of Camogie and, and ladies Gaelic football. It's just so, so important that people get out and show their support on the sidelines. Susanna, before we wrap up, I want to give some hope to young female sports fans who maybe want to follow in your footsteps. We know Caroline came through EBU's Young Reporter Scheme. So how do things work at Swedish Radio? I'd say the past five years, we've had a few uh, very big projects, I'd say, where we've tried to scout the country for talents when it comes to commentators, actually uh, talking to reporters all around the country, working for the Swedish radio and, and talking to people in in clubs when it comes to football, for example. Do you know of a girl, maybe a young one, maybe someone who wants to work in media, uh, who, wa who wants to commentate, or maybe who doesn't even want to do that, but you see that maybe she has potential. And we've tried to scout some talents and then have kind of a mentorship where I have been first uh, the apprentice, so to speak, and then I've been the mentor for, for young, uh, younger women who we want to give a push and maybe show that this could be a career for someone. Uh, it doesn't mean that they automatically get a job with Swedish radio, but we've tried to uh, take our um, responsibility as, as a public service company, I guess, and just try and, and see if there is something you can actively do to um, bring more female commentators into uh, to, to the sports um, journalism, I'd say. And, and how many women commentators, for instance, do you at the moment have at Swedish radio? I think we are maybe six or seven female reporters um, on our staff. And I'd say that everyone commentates some kind of sport sometime. Uh, it could be alpine skiing, ice hockey, football, handball, whatever. And we all do it now, I'd say, uh, as everyone does <laughs> on 
um, in our team. Everyone does everything, so to speak. Uh, you you host the show and you, you're a reporter and you're also commentating. Susanna Andrian, thank you for joining us on the Eurovision Sport Radio podcast. And thank you too to Carolina Zobeni from ORF and Elaine Buckley from RTE. Elaine's podcast, The W, is available from your usual podcast outlet. EBU is championing gender equality in sport alongside UNESCO's Change the Game initiative. Check out the hashtags Women in Sport and Change the Game to learn more about the work of EBU and public service media across Europe. From me, David Naart, and the whole of the Eurovision Sport radio team, thank you for listening. <laughs>